Get your kites flying and your puzzles puzzling. It's Toy and Hobby Retailer, the podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Toy and Hobby Retailer, the podcast. I'm your host and Toy and Hobby Retailer editor, Imogen Bailey. In today's episode, I'm joined by Zuru's creative director, Adam Woods, and we chat all things toy design, product inspiration, innovative retail trends, and packaging. Before we get into the episode, make sure you head on over to the Toy and Hobby Retailer website and subscribe to our free e-newsletter. Have you done it? Great. Let's get on with the episode. Thank you for joining me, Adam. And I have to say, there's been some stellar hits from Zuru, hasn't there? Pleasure to join you, Imogen. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, like I guess we've been very fortunate over the um, probably the last few years in particular um, to really kind of crack some winners, but also uh, disrupt a few categories as well and, and, and you know, do what Zuru does best. And that's uh, it's bring, I guess, kind of creativity um, with some great value uh, and innovation as well. Hmm. I mean, if we just look through the list, I mean, they've been award winner after award winner. So we've got Boppy the Booty Shake and Llama, which was one of your most recent wins. Bunch of Balloons, of course, which has done stellar things and obviously Rainbow Corns as well. So all of those, you know, those hits, those winners. I mean, for somebody who who is kind of on the on the outside of the toy company, obviously I'm, I'm the trade press, so I write about what's going on. But I'd love to know kind of what the, well, where the inspiration comes from to begin with. I mean, h- how do you how do you come up with things like a shaking booty shaking llama and balloons like that you can fill up multiple at once? Like, where does these ideas stem from? <laughs> it's a question, I guess, which is. Um... In, in my role in particular, I get asked that question frequently. And mm. um, to be honest, there's no real kind of specific uh, magic well or fountain that you go to to, to, to find these kind of, uh, you know, I guess, creative uh, moments or, 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 or any kind of creative inspiration. The best, the best answer I can ultimately provide is, and what I've found during my career in toys is, the best ideas namely come from observation and it can be in things like pop culture. It can be looking at video games. It can be looking at, at, at TV and film and cinema uh, books um, or even just, just, just behavior, human behavior in general is, is a really, really amazing, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, well to, you know, fish in. Mm. <laughs> so it's, um, that's probably the best way I can kind of answer that question. There's no specific, you know, kind of way, but what I've, what I found during my, my journey in toys and it's a, it's an industry which I love very, very much and have been fortunate enough to, um, uh, you know, to, 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 to make an incredible kind of life and career from, I always find that just observing is one of the best and listening is one of the best things you can do to, um, to formulate new ideas. It's certainly the best platform and, and starting point in my opinion. Mm, mm. And so then, I mean, once you've done that listening, I mean, is there, has there any, anything that you've thought of or, or heard or in passing or read or seen and thought, Ooh, that, that could be, that could be something that could work. 
how do you how do you kind of I guess I mean because obviously we, we're we're so exposed to so many different mediums all the time, especially too if you have um, kids around you. I guess that that would be another way to kind of see what they're engaging in and how they're doing that. But I mean, because there'd be so much that potentially could be something a hit. How do you kind of say this is something that could work or this is something that maybe needs a little bit more work or, or maybe is not worth putting time into? Is there any kind of formula for that? Uh, I guess due to experience, you, you start to feel things intuitively. You, you know what an audience or a market will probably gravitate to. And there's definitely proven, um, I guess, play patterns and formulas uh, within the whole industry, all you need to really kind of do is walk down, uh, walk into a toy shop and start walking down the aisles and you'll see there's clearly an aisle full of dolls. There's clearly an aisle of construction toys, um, you know, vehicles and so forth. So you know if you, um, I guess, kind of uh, target those specific kind of areas that you're generally going to, going to minimise the amount of risk, um, then, it, then it comes down to a question of execution and, and, and innovation and what you're really kind of bringing from a, um, a, a, you know, a new perspective. Um, again, it comes down to a lot to, to intuition and really, I, I, spend, I spend a lot of time actually watching kind of, um, uh, you know, cartoons and animation. And that's, that's just something which I um, instinctively kind of like doing. But what I find is that it, watching um, television shows like that or movies like that, it really gives me a nice insight into um, humour that, that kids are kind of into. Um, Colour palettes, you know, the, mm. the way, uh, things from a stylistic point of view. It's, it's, there's a really nice kind of um, point of reference there to, to, to draw from. So that's probably, that's probably one of the things that I kind of attribute towards um, helping, I guess, minimise the risk in terms of knowing what's going to work and, and, and make a successful selling product. Did you know that this could be your ad playing right now? You could be reaching Toy and Hobby Retailer's global audience of engaged listeners right now. Get in touch with Helen to learn how to advertise at helendavies at yaffa.com.au. And you mentioned earlier too about um, disruption and kind of taking proven categories, like you've said, the doll sec- the, the the play patterns that have tried and tested and have remained stable and kind of, I guess, turned it on its head. So can you talk me through a little bit about kind of, and I guess Zuru has a, a reputation for that, right? It has that kind of, it's a bit of a sort of underdog kind of story, right? It's, it's a relatively new company in comparison to a lot of the major players and is kind of coming in and going, right, this is what's worked. How can we make it ours? How can we, um, put a twist on this that's been, I mean, water balloons, how old are they? How, how long have water balloons been around for, right? Like that's a toy that I think everybody um, will have experienced in their life, but just going, okay, how can we, how can we actually make this be something that is of value to people? And then of course you have a bunch of balloons comes along and, and really kind of makes that, makes that category really, boom again i mean nobody i guess would have thought i think i think from in my own opinion i feel like people probably thought well water balloons are done like there's there's nothing more that we can do there so so can you just talk me through that kind of that disruptive sort of attitude i guess that zuru has 
Yeah, sure. It's as I said earlier, there are there, there are always those proven categories that that will always sell in any industry. Um, you know, people are always going to be in fifty years' time. People are still going to be buying black t-shirts and blue jeans. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just a, 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 a truism that you can't escape. Um, and what we kind of like to do, I guess, is is really sort of look at what those what we call it, uh, uh, pillar kind of categories or pillar brands um, and look at ways that we can, we can put a new spin on something, disrupt it. And it might be as simple as disrupting it through price where we actually try and um, use our incredible uh, resources and our back end ability to be able to, you know, produce something at a, at a much better, better cost or deliver, um, you know, retailers better margin and, and, and provide value that way. Or it can be something like a rainbow corn where we really, well, ultimately we kind of went away and just thought, what can we do that's completely different that no one has seen in the, in the, in the toy aisle before? A giant pink egg with a unicorn horn hanging at the top and a sequin heart, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it, there's both ends of those kind of, um, of that spectrum, I guess, that Zuru is really, really good at sort of looking at and then being able to kind of go away and execute that. We're a bit of a unique beast from that point of view. Um, value, you know, innovation, um, even our licensing with, with what we're doing with mini brands and the way we've, we've created our sort of, you know, hit sort of mini collectible now. Um, they're all things that, um, I, I won't say the things that have necessarily always been done before, but we, we like to really kind of uh, look at what's worked and then put our own sort of unique kind of twist on it and spin on it. Um, and more often than not, thankfully, it, it works. And, you know, just going off of the awards that all of the products that I rolled off before have won. I mean, it's not just here in Australia that they're, that they're picking up recognition. It's, it's globally as well. So, I mean, how does that feel for you? I mean, when you see that recognition coming from the industry, I mean, what does the, what does an award win kind of do for you? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a good question because, I'm not convinced that the consumer ultimately kind of cares about toy awards. Mm. Um, Interesting. They, whether that actually means anything to a, to, to someone, to a mom or dad who's walking down a toy aisle with a $20 bill in their hand. I, I don't, I'm not really kind of convinced that it, it ultimately sort of sways their decision to make a purchase. Mm. Um, however, from a, an industry and a peer and a creative uh, perspective, something like rainbow corns, which, uh, and again, I've, you know, I've worked in toys for over 17 years now. When I look at everything that I've worked on, this has been the first toy that's ever won. Um, I think we won plush of the year, both in the UK, Australia, uh, award in Hong Kong and China, um, as well as the People's Choice uh, Toy of the Year at the New York Toy Fair for that, for that one, one item. I mean, that, that made me immensely proud of, of, of the team and the work that we've been doing. Um, so it's a little bit of a kind of catch 22. You want to celebrate that, but you also don't necessarily want it to be, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that something is going to kind of go away and and be an immediate hit or drive or drive success. Um, I still think at the end of the day, uh, to the consumer and they're the ultimate critic, um, the product needs to speak for itself on shelf, Mm. (laughs) if that Mm. makes sense. And so you do that by having that innovative type of packaging going on. I mean, how do you, how do you evoke that kind of reaction when consumers are walking down the aisle? 
Well, with rainbow corns, um, it, the, the term that we've kind of coined internally for, um, for, for that particular piece of packaging and branding is we really feel that we nailed the in-store theatre mm. um, with that particular product. I mean, again, no one had kind of done an egg that size with a big unicorn horn hanging out the top, um, you know, with, with, with beautiful kind of sparkly glittering sequins on it. It just evoked, it, 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 it compelled you to want to go and pick it up. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of plush that have been obviously done in boxes and collectibles that are done on, on, um, on, 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 on blisters, in blisters and, and on backing cards. Um, but we, we kind of wanted to break the rules there a little and just sort of throw caution to the wind um, and, and create something ultimately that, that sort of just became well, what we thought was iconic, but that obviously now has kind of resonated with the consumer and the market to, to sort, of, sort of form its own, um, own successful identity. It's amazing, actually, when, um, you know, if you're in store, I've, I've been in store and I've seen um, people genuinely walk up and, and be wowed kids be wowed by this giant egg that they see, mm. you know, especially with a unicorn horn hanging out the top. They're like, oh, wow, that looks so cool. I just want to know what's inside it. So it's, it, it's something that we strategically, we, 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 we did it deliberately. We had a feeling it was going to be a hit. Um, it's nice to win all of those awards, but it's even ultimately, it's it, the best thing is when you, when you know that the product's selling and that kids are taking it home and, and, and loving the toy that's inside and that discovery of opening up that egg, you know, finding all the different surprises, um, you know, playing with the sequin heart, all, all of the, the reveal and magic. It, it, we've been very lucky for it to all kind of come together, um, you know, in, in, in one very unique product. Mm. And what, I mean, when you, when you say, and, and the surprise elements of things, I mean, that's been something that has, has, you know, really kind of in recent years been a big focus for a lot of companies is that how do we, how do we evoke surprise? How do we have kids not know what they're going to get or be excited to just take it out of its box? Is there going to be something, is there going to be a crazy way to, to unbox something? You know, I mean, that, that innovation in that surprise kind of emotion has been just taken off in recent years. So, I mean, What's the process of, of, okay, so you have the idea for the toy. You're like, right, yep, this is what I'm going to, this is, I think, what we're going to do. How do you, what's the actual mechanical steps that you have to take to you, so you get, you know, what does the choices look like when you're deciding what the surprises are going to be? What, what's the prototype sort of situation? I mean, can you, can you talk me through that kind of more, uh, I guess, production side of things? Well, from a production point of view, and if I can use rainbow corns as an example, mm-hmm. um, again, and it's probably the most obvious example to use given the, the, the success that it's had in that surprise plush, you know, unboxing territory, I guess. When it came down to sort of engineering the surprises inside, we ultimately worked backwards from, from a price point. I mean, we sort of looked at, okay, what, what was going to really sort of resonate we, we, we there's no point making a toy that's the that's a really really amazing toy that is inaccessible due to you know due to cost and price mm. if rainbow corns was a 50 dollars 70 dollars item it probably wouldn't have been the success that it is where we've been very very clever and strategic as well is is being able to call, kind of almost reverse engineer backwards from that that sort of 24.99 uh, target cost 
okay, we, we know that we're going to need um, an amazing character inside that creates an emotional connection with the kids. Um, and we're also going to need to overwhelm them with, um, with, with detail and surprises to find inside. Now, what we can afford or what we have the liberty to be able to kind of afford and produce really, really does come back to incredible um, back-end and cost management uh, and product design from, from that point of view. The creative side of things is actually relatively, I won't say it's easy, but it's, um, you know, there's no end to the amount of ideas that we can, we can generate to, or suggestions to put into the toy. Um, however, it's a different case when you're, when you're really looking at getting down to executing it and making sure that you, you hit all, your, all of your target costs. Mm. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a great example, actually. And when we were, we were creating rainbow coins, one of the earliest prototypes we got with the, we, we love the egg. The egg was, the egg was a showstopper. Everyone who looked at it said, wow, this is, this is something really, really amazing. You know, the huge egg with a horn at the top and they, everyone loved the sequin hearts. They loved the plush. The plush was a, a, a really nice kind of hybrid of obviously, you know, unicorns, puppies, um, you know, <laughs> everything, things with wings, yeah. rainbow colored hair. It was, mm -hmm. it was a, a bit of a mishmash and probably broke some rules in terms of um, standard toy creative where you sort of look at something and, and you're very conscious of layering it up too much. We deliberately layered this up to the point where it was like a wedding cake. Um, <laughs> and once we got to, once we got to the point where, okay, we know we've got a great plush. We've got the, the sequin heart that really, really interacts beautifully with, uh, from the egg, uh, you know, onto the plush. And we looked at all the other little details that we were adding, obviously our little collector's guide. We had some stickers in there. We added some, um, some slime compound because we knew that that was trending at the time in the industry as well. And the kids love slime play. So, you know, it just sort of made sense to have rainbow corns that came with rainbow poop. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but the little cherry on top, I remember working with, um, uh, with Matt Mowbray, who's obviously one of the, one of the owners at, at Zuru and, I remember suggesting to him that we should put, I actually said it as a little joke, that maybe what we should do is hide a little tiny, tiny egg inside the big egg. So it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but you get this big egg and then there's a tiny little egg inside it with, a, with another, not a rainbow corn, but a boo-boo corn, like a baby boo-boo corn. Mm. And we both just kind of like started laughing and just thought that's, it's really kind of absurd. But you know what, let's do it. And we, we figured out that we could do it for you know, a few extra cents or whatever it was. But again, it's, it's become almost the cherry on top with, the, with that particular product experience now. When kids, um, when they open the egg, they get their plush, they unbox everything. They're, they're literally, you know, uh, hunting this, this tiny little egg that's inside the large egg looking for the little boo-boo corn. Yeah. So it was at the sort of level of detail. But it, we, we wouldn't have been able to kind of um, think that way if we weren't working backwards from a target cost that we, that we sort of knew was going to be really really accessible for the consumer mm. and once we feel like we've, we, we, we've added as much value as we can for that target cost well then you know we sit back and look at the product as a whole and, and with rainbow corns we were we were pretty satisfied that we had something special you're tuned in to toy and hobby retailer the podcast it's brilliant to hear that kind of crazy kooky kind of process it's like oh what if we just did this like uh, what if we just did it and then it's like well, why like let's do it. It's it's such a um, you know, and I guess that's part of the the fun of the industry, right? Is that you can have these kind of crazy ideas. I mean, like you said, you really went hard on the layering and just okay, every element that we can think that we should be included in this, let's just put it in and 
let's run with it. I mean, is there any kind of, I mean, plush especially I think is interesting because generally it, it tends to be kind of a, a difficult category to kind of have a, a big booming sort of sale in, right? Like obviously it's an evergreen kind of category, but to have something that really kind of disrupts it is probably a little bit unheard of to, to, I mean, how far can you go with plush really? And obviously you guys have then proven and shown that actually, yes, this can be a category that is also disrupted and bought into um, kind of, I guess, modern day 2020. But is there any discussion around risk or around, do we think this might be a bit too far or a bit hard or not to be negative, but I just, I wonder obviously because it's a business in the, in the end of it. And obviously the business is out to make money. So, I mean, saying, Hey, why don't we just put another boo-boo corn in there? Is it, is anyone ever go, "Hmm, I don't know. Not really, because we always try. We always try and 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 and, and sort of, I guess, wedge more into it. Mm. Um, I mean, that's that's somewhat of a creative obligation is to push things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, you ultimately or you, you make a product, and then ultimately, yes, it will get it will get scaled back on in some way, shape, or form. And and I, I hate using the word compromise, but it's also a, a reality that we need to kind of confront when when developing product there is always a point which you might need to think, okay, well, maybe we can't afford to, you know, add glitter sparkle to the, to the, to the shrink wrap on the outside of a product or whatever it is. And again, it's working to that kind of cost. But mm. I think creatively, you know, you, you, you're obligated to always keep adding and asking, why not, why not, why can't we do this? How about we do this? Mm. Um, we should do this. So <laughs> I guess that's, um, that gets back to the, to the point of, of, of you know uh, the responsibility of a creative is to keep kind of pushing that we're very fortunate at Zuru to have as I said earlier an incredible kind of product design product management and, and, and engineering back-end team as well that are very good at reining those kind of crazy suggestions in mm-hmm. um, but we also get you know immense uh, liberty to, to go out there and explore and to add as much as we can to make the toy as, as fun as possible mm. um, yeah that's there's no right or wrong in that way. It's, it's a very difficult question, again, to answer um, from, a, from a structural point of view because there's so many different things that happen when you're developing a toy and so many different opinions that, that are included along the journey of a, of a, of a I guess, of a, of a product's birth. You, can, you obviously have feedback also from when, when you first preview something uh, at a toy fair. Mm-hmm. You have hundreds of buyers literally looking and commenting and, and it's... it's it's incumbent on, on us as, as creatives to always listen to that feedback as well and then try and figure out a way that we can merge or, or stir those kind of comments into the recipe, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so you do kind of go away from those toy fairs going, okay, well, this was kind of a reoccurring piece of feedback that we got. How can we implement this? Or what does that kind of process look like? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because sometimes you get you get feedback that sometimes I sit back and I really scratch my head and I sort of think, well, hang on, that just doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, I don't get that. With all due respect to whoever has, has kind of said it, I, I'll, I'll be kind of sitting there sort of thinking, well, hang on, why would we change it from, you know, pink to yellow when we know that pink's going to appeal to whatever market or whatever, whatever the comment mm-hmm. may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you really need to sort of um, rely on your intuition 
and your own experience there to sort of balance out those comments and make the right call. And I mean, you said earlier that Zuru, yeah, we're, we're quite a young company, but we also have, uh, we do have a lot of experience, I guess, at the, the sort of top level that's, that has the ability to be able to sort of assess that sort of feedback and, and, and make very, very quick calls that don't need to go through too many layers of or, or, or levels of, you know, um, management or a hierarchy. We can, we can pivot and act on what we think is right very, very quickly. And I think that's a, that's a big benefit to have when you're confronted with that sort of feedback as well. Mm. It's a challenge, but it's, it's the, that's the beauty of what we create, you know, and, and it's no different to, to say being in the fashion industry when you, when you design a, a jacket or whatever, and you might think obviously you're very close to it. You're very uh, connected to the design. Mm. Um, but if you show someone and, and someone looks at it and says, well, that's the ugliest thing I've seen in my life. Well, and if they're a respected person or if they're, you know, a, important buyer or whatever it may be i mean it's due diligence to take that feedback on board it's nice to also throw caution to the wind occasionally though and and just sort of not totally ignore those comments but just go with what you feel is right and and then quite often that you know that, that provides some some huge success as well mm. and so you mentioned earlier too about about including slime in the rainbow corns one of the surprises in the egg so yeah. Those trends, I mean, slime, slime really had a, a real strong moment, right? Like I remember walking around the toy fairs just being like every second stand is just slime. Like <laughs> how much slime can one, one world have? <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to kind of, I guess because of the disruption from what's happened this year, it's sort of hard for me to distinguish if there's any really strong trends this year. I know that at the, at the beginning of the year in Nuremberg, which feels shocking that we were, you know, in the space of 60 odd thousand other people, there they were sort of saying that the, the focus on eco-friendly toys has, has kind of really gathered pace. And I definitely saw that over there. And I did see a few here in Melbourne that uh, had that kind of focus as well. But for me, I mean, because of the disruption that's happened and, and I've seen obviously strong sales and people deciding, oh, I'm actually going to start doing uh, puzzles to pass the time in lockdown or my family, we don't want to spend too much time on screen. So we're going to buy a bunch of board games to play together or uh, I want to play a party game with my friends on, on Zoom or something and have some drinks or whatever. So obviously those have been really quite strong um, sales categories this year. But for you, I mean, what, what are kind of the trends been this year? What have you seen? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to ignore this, the, the unboxing surprise, you know, reveal trend. That's mm. definitely, um, that's definitely something that's going to continue. And it's really as surprising as it is to, to, to sort of see it really flourish and take off, you know, over the last, let's, let's say 24 months. It's also not surprising because kids have always loved, you know, opening birthday presents and Christmas presents. And, mm. and it's something which is, is kind of, it's part of the psyche, I guess, of, 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 and the excitement of being a kid. So I don't necessarily think that that's going away anytime soon. Yes, there's definitely been a, 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 a trend or I guess a shift towards, you know, using more, whether it be recycled kind of elements in your packaging or sustainable making, making uh, you know, toys from different kind of materials that obviously have a little bit more or more of, a, of an environmental uh, responsibility, I guess, which I think is great. And, and it's certainly something in Zuru that, you know, we're, 
we're, we're working really, really hard on it and have implemented some, some big things across some of our bigger brands yeah. uh, to try and tick that box and to listen to where the market is, um, what the market's demanding. Mm. So there's certainly been a, a, a continuing trend there. As far as, I guess, what you call pop culture trends, you know, things like uh, what, what I've found and, and what we've, we've really kind of been working hard on at Zuru in the last 12 months is uh, mini kind of toys. We've, we've really sort of looked at anything and uh, anything that, that sort of, you know, we can, we can, I guess, reduce in size and make mini. And we've had incredible success with our mini brands range. And without giving too much away, we've, we've gone really, really sort of hard at what we can look at and, and make mini, make micro, make itty bitty, make small. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, there's a, that will be definitely, definitely a trend that will continue. And I just think that there's a, there's a fascination from a human perspective there that, that people love looking at stuff that's, that's really kind of, you know, small and cute. Um, Absolutely. Not, you know, especially obviously in toys. So that's, that's, um, that's a trend that I'd, I'd be fairly confident in saying we'll, we'll probably flourish over the next, um, uh, you know, 12 months. But hey, we live in a world where the only kind of certainty at the moment is uncertainty. So it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty hard to, uh, to, to, to absolutely know. Unicorns probably aren't going away anywhere anytime soon. You know, packaging such as the, like what we've done with our, our, um, our new itty bitty pretty range and our, our big smashes eggs, our rainbow corns, obviously big in store theater you know, displays that, that, that create a little bit more kind of uh, in-store theatre and wow as well. That's something which we're really kind of focusing on in the next 12 months. Mm. Um, so I think that they're sort of all trends that you'll see toy companies all around the world, not just Zuru, but, you know, toy companies all around the world ultimately sort of push and strive to, uh, to be better at. Mm. And I definitely agree with you there. I think especially now that we have seen the kind of, well, I mean, in Victoria at the moment, it's been forced to shop online. And so part of, I guess, the uh, appeal when retail opens back up will be that theatre, that experience that, I mean, that's been talked about for many years about having an experience in store and and making it more than just going there to just pick things off the shelf and go to the counter and, and pay, you know, people... I've been having those discussions and, and I think that it's really hammered home now how important that will be for toy retailers, especially because, you know, with more and more people uh, sort of forced to buy things online during this time, if they become comfortable and confident in their usage, the, the retailers have to kind of have a promise almost, a, a, a guarantee that they're going to, if you come here and you want to shop with us, that you'll get more than just a product you know, you'll get what an experience that you you're after rather than just kind of, I guess, the convenient online shopping, which is great, but also, yeah, like lacks that fun. I remember as a kid going to um, Toys R Us with my grandma was just like a, a, you know, it was just amazing. It was like, oh my gosh, like a kid, like a literal kid in a candy shop, you know, like it just all the choices and everything there. So kind of that, I guess, toy stores have that wonder about them, especially for kids, because it is such a magical place where, you know, everything that you could ever want to play for, play with is there on the shelf for you. So I agree, definitely. But I mean, you talked there about, about making things mini and, and small. And I'll admit, like, I used to watch, binge watch those, you know, those little um, 
mini bakery videos on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen where they make like tiny cakes and tiny pancakes and stuff. It's I, like, I'll admit, I was a big watcher of them. So um, I, I completely understand. But what sort of, I guess the, and like you say, there's so much uncertainty, but what, what would you say is kind of the focus for Zuru in the next kind of couple of months? I mean, 2020 has been an absolute roller coaster. So I understand if you can't really say anything, <laughs> but um, is there kind of any, any key goals or things that you're looking forward to, to kind of close out 2020? We, we really, really want to focus on uh, building our pillar, pillar brands now. And mm-hmm. we feel that we've got a really nice sort of portfolio when you look at our, let's call it our innovation trend sort of lines. Mm-hmm. So we've got that, um, that arm of the business there where we're really, we've got a very strong, you know, innovation trend part of the, part of the portfolio. And we've also got our value driven uh, pillars as well, such as uh, Robo Alive, Pets Alive, um, metal machines and so forth, where we're, we, we have innovation as well as part of that, that range, but it's ultimately driven by making incredibly well-executed product that looks great at, a, at a, you know, an unbeatable price. Mm. And given what's happening in the world at the moment, that's probably going to be more pertinent than ever to get to make sure that we, that we, that we strengthen that and, 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 and add even more to that. And again, it's something which I'm, I'm very kind of confident and, um, you know, and proud of the way that Zuru has sort of been able to bring that kind of value to, to that particular sort of, or those particular kind of categories in toys. You know, things like electronic, uh, electronic plush can be very, very expensive or, you know, um, any kind of electronic battery operated toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy for those kind of prices to blow out and especially when you're doing, looking at doing the kind of level of execution that, that we are with our, our detailed styling and molding and, and, and so forth. But I think we've got the right mix there of being able to really kind of offer the consumer uh, amazing value going forward for, for those particular sort of categories. Mm. And then the other area that we're also looking at, uh, at strengthening is, is our licensed product area as well. Mm. There has been a, a trend where if you have a look at what you know, what, what, what toy other toy companies have been doing with um, YouTube. I call them YouTube stars or YouTube influencers or kids. Mm-hmm. But obviously have, you know, and parents that have, um, you know, immensely successful channels on YouTube where we, we've, we've really identified that as well. And we're looking at, you know, entering that kind of space. Yeah, we've got some, we've got some nice deals that we're working on there and some hopefully some, some nice brands and products that, you know, you, you'll see in the next 12 months. That will, that will again kind of tick those sort of boxes and it's exciting it's it's so nice to have because these 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 kids or, or parents and or families and channels they already have such an engaged audience online that they're ultimately you know if, if you give them a product that they're they're really really um happy with and passionate about then you've got your marketing kind of taken care of right there because they'll, they'll go out and sell it from the heart mm. um so we're working with uh, with the channel Vlad and Nikki right now, which is you know one of the one of the biggest um, high subscribed YouTube kids channels on the platform, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome awesome fun kind of working with those guys and developing a really really cool story for what we can do as part of their, their sort of toy range. So that's something which you know if you look at those 
if you look at what I've just said there is, is almost being a, a little bit of a, a pie kind of divided into three sections. We've got our, our value sort of component, our, our value line, the licensing area, which you know we, we're only looking to bolster and to really, really kind of uh, strengthen and, and add more and more. Uh, and then we've got our, what we call our kind of trend order in, 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 innovative sort of um, uh, platform as well. So that's, mm. that's Zuru in a, in, a, in a bit of a nutshell there. That's our plan ultimately looking at, at what we, we're going to be pushing and, and, and bringing to the market in the next 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. And all of those things, I mean, such exciting projects, but I mean, is the licensing side working with the YouTubers, that's something new for Zuru, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Mm. This is the first kind of um, our first foray in, into a specific uh, YouTube channel. We, we, you know, we, we, well, 12 months ago, and, and actually it still sells quite well even to this day, there was a Kickstarter um, a product called the Future Cube, which I'm sure you, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we worked with the inventors of that. So we obviously, that, that was another sort of licensed product. Yeah. And managed to be able to sort of, you know, produce that, again, for a great price, executed in a really, really nice, stylistic kind of premium way. And, and that was, that was, that sort of got the ball rolling in terms of us sort of looking at all these different kind of platforms and, and, and sort of wondering where else we can apply the, the, the skill set that we brought to Feature Cube. But the, specifically the, the, the Vlad and Nikki kind of um, uh, product that we're working on is the first one that we've, we've actually worked in conjunction with a, um, a, a kids channel on YouTube. And it's, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a, it's a great toy. It's got, again, really, really great in-store theatre. It's something which I haven't provided. No, I don't think I've seen it done before. So it's, there's a little bit of a risk attached to that, but mm -hmm. um, it's fun. It's, 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 it's one that you'll look at in, um, uh, you know, early, early next year and then sort of think, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a fun toy. I really want to open that and find out what's going on inside there. Fantastic. And is there anything different or, or kind of unexpected that you've encountered so far with working so closely with a YouTube channel like that? You know, you've, you've got to be ultimately really respectful of, um, of what these families or YouTube channels have actually built. Mm. You know, they, they're the ones that have kind of started these things from scratch and mm. gone away and built a, 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 a following. Um, and they've got literally millions of fans that, that, that are so engaged with what they're producing that it's, that's been a little bit of a, not, not certainly not a challenge, but just something to be um, ultimately kind of aware of is, is really kind of listening to how they've built that sort of success and then trying to integrate that into the product to really respect what they've, what they've um, created, I guess, and then integrate it and, and incorporate it into what we're, we're ultimately building as well. Because conversely, they have the same sort of respect for, for us, where is, they're not toy, um, they're not toy creators and they're not, they're not toy manufacturers. So mm. it's been a really nice kind of synergy and um, an interesting exercise to see those, those two worlds kind of uh, collide and come together to make something special. Because mm. ultimately, I mean, I guess you're both, you're both bringing your own expertise to the table, but also sort of working as an extension of each other, right? So you guys are, mm. are bringing them to the toy world and, they are bringing the toy world into the kind of YouTube space a little bit more. So yeah, it's, it's super interesting um, space to be in, to watch this sort of thing. And I have no doubt that, you know, that this will kind of extend beyond that and go towards, I wouldn't be surprised if TikTok creators then started having 
toy lines as well, because that, you know, it seems like it's going to be a, a further extension again of somebody who can generate millions and millions of followers on there as well. So yeah, it's certainly an interesting space to be, to be watching and, and kind of just seeing the developments because like you say, I mean, there have been a few collaborations, but I still think we're in the early days of that sort of that toy, that toy licensing. I mean, who would have thought that a YouTube creator could then have a whole product line in traditional bricks and mortar retailer, traditional kind of, um, a way of making money when they are so it's so new in in um terms of the media landscape in how they make money and revenue and and build their brand i mean that's that would have been unheard of you know five years ago even so yeah it's certainly it's certainly an interesting time and and you know congrats to zuru for for working with them and and getting um you know hunkered down in in that sort of space but i mean Adam, thank you so much for your, for your time this afternoon. Those were kind of the all the big questions that I had for you. Was there anything else that you kind of wanted to touch on or, or make a point of before we before we end the call? Uh, well, I mean, and, and, and thank you for having me. It's been a been a pleasure, Imogen. And um, you know, the, the the not only the toy industry, but the world is going through such a, 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 a tough time at the moment. Mm. It doesn't really matter where you live on on, on the planet. One thing I've always kind of tried to maintain during, uh, you know, the pandemic, and, and we hear the word unprecedented uh, literally every five minutes on, on any kind of form of media. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I've always maintained is that, you know, the, the industry that, that you, you and I are kind of working in and, and, and my constituents and colleagues and, and, you know, even competitors all around the world right now, one thing that we're all striving to do is yes, obviously we work in a business and the business is designed to, to be profitable and, uh, and keep people employed and so forth as well. But we're, we can't forget the fact that we're, we're, we're really kind of striving to, 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 to bring a smile to, to a kid's face. And that's a really important thing I think of right now to, to be proud of as well because kids, a lot of kids are, are locked up at home. They can't go out and play in the park. They can't go and visit their friends. They don't have the engagement that they that they were um, that they, they had at school before all of this kind of happened. Mm -hmm. um, so something as simple as a toy, you know, if that can bring a little bit of joy and happiness into and sunshine into a kid's life, then uh, you know I think we're all doing a, a good thing. It's an industry where we it, it can be pretty cutthroat and there's a lot of competition, and you know, uh, toy companies can be quite venomous at the best of times to each other. But it'd be it'd be nice if we can all just sort of you know take a moment and, and sort of take solace in the fact that we're ultimately all working out there, uh, you know, to, to to bring a smile to a kid's face and 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 hopefully kind of brighten up uh, what is a pretty kind of tough time for for everyone experiencing that kind of uh, that kind of stuff at the moment. Brilliant. I mean, thank you so much again, Adam, for joining me on Toy and Hobby Retailer the podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a great weekend. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. That's this episode of Toy and Hobby Retailer, the podcast, all done and dusted. Want more? Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.